Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to episode eight of the Stromcast. I'm joined again by Dr. Dean St. Mark, PhD in organic chemistry. Correct. Fuck yeah, nailed it. Um, and head formulator at Supplement Needs, as well as Supplement Needs athlete and competitive bodybuilder and lead process design engineer at Intel. I'm a chemical engineer at Intel in their hard mask etch department. Yeah. And pl- plasma, plasma dry etch. Yeah. So um, all around generally smart guy. Now, Dean was on the other week um, discussing PCT and the correct way to do it, what's involved and so on. And one of the things that came up in that several times was actually that if you're not going to come off of uh, performance enhancing drugs for a reasonable amount of time, it's almost not worth doing a PCT. Not that you should just stay on drugs forever, but that the process involved is, is quite involved. Um, and that if you're going to do it, you need to do it and commit to being off for a, a decent amount of time. So obviously the, 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 obviously the questions we got off the back of that were around, well, then what are the alternatives? What about blasting and cruising, or as Dean prefers to call it, blasting and TRT, and how might that work? Um, so we're going to try and break that down in simple to understand language, although this is obviously going to be perhaps aimed at slightly more advanced users, so it may get a little more technical in places. Um, so with that, we'll just start out with what Dean would decide. Fuck me. What Dean would define as as this term blasting and cruising is supposed to mean. So I guess this is a concept that I've gained popularity about discussing, or I've had mixed reception on my take of this topic. Um, so if we if we speak on a guess bro level. Blasting and cruising is basically you have a blast, which is a high, I guess, dosage use of androgens, steroids, and then you have a cruise where you lower the dose to, in bro words, clean out and give your receptors a break. Yeah. So you go back to your blast. Now, from a logical point of view or a scientific point of view, that in itself brings some health consequences when we use i guess high levels of androgens during a blast there is going to be negative health effects so you know your liver cardiovascular health um i guess uh androgen dominated side effects baldness acne etc and then during your cruise you lower your dose so there isn't really any definitive guidelines within i guess the bro science of blasting and cruising your blast is high I, I see figures banded around of 250 milligrams a week uh 300 milligrams a week uh, i would personally normally suggest when people ask me that it wants to be an amount that puts you in the high end of the normal range but that doesn't make me very popular because that's not actually very much yeah so i mean my take on this is actually that you have a cycle where you cycle a high dose of androgens that brings you into, you know, a, a high super physiological range. And then you have TRT. Yeah. So you now reduce your dose to mimic your physiological level of testosterone. Reason being for that sort of, I guess, concept is that you're on a super physiological level, you yield the benefits of that, whether it's muscle gain or improved recovery, increased strength. 
you run that for a period of time until health consequences either happen or you know you control it by monitoring your blood work and then you return to a physiological range of testosterone to again allow your body to return to homeostasis yeah to return to a balance of i guess normal health function and the the obvious big benefit to that is that you're not having a period where your testosterone is going to be very very low exactly so, so yeah. i guess with with trt so with the cycle trt approach your trt is basically mimicking or should mimic what your body would make naturally or as you said you can play with this a little bit and take it to say the upper normal physiological range so maybe the high 20s yeah with that then you don't have to run a pct obviously because what you're doing there is mimicking normal physiological function so testosterone uh, all the testosterone ester injection forms are bioidentical to what your body makes so, so whether you don't understand once the the ester from the testosterone is removed so that the enanthate the cipronate the undecanate the propanate whatever it might be the the compound that's left at the end is testosterone anyone who tells you that test prop is better for this or test enanthate is better for that is, is talking out of their hat yeah so again it, like the esters to control obviously the drug delivery and you know the, the rate of release into your body but the core molecule that's left testosterone whether it's from injection or it's from your testicles is the exact same thing so when you go to this trt component of your cycle trt you're really basically returning to your natural level without actually getting your hpta involved so your hpta is still shut down but you are mimicking what your body would receive naturally. Yeah. Um, I guess the benefits to that, as opposed to a cruise, is that, like you said, normally a cruise, if we are going to just speak in general terms, is somewhere around 250 to 300 milligrams of testosterone. And in some cases, it's not just testosterone. It's like 200 milligrams of primobolin or 200 milligrams of masteron. Yeah, primo on a cruise is really popular at the moment. I don't really understand where that's come from. It's uh, probably driven by a lot of uh, well-known UK bodybuilders approaching this style. It's, um, it, it's funny how things that very large, very advanced bodybuilders do often trickle down to kind of general population, and they're not they're not necessarily transferable or relevant to. Uh, no, yeah. and in my in my mind, you know, two hundred milligrams of Prima Bolin in the context of a cruise, potentially. What, what I've spoken about before on other podcasts is that when it comes to a cruise, if you are, say, a top-tier bodybuilder or a professional bodybuilder where your career depends on you retaining as much muscle mass as possible between superphysiological pushes, yeah. then yes, there may be warrant there for your dosage to be slightly higher than a physiological dose. But if you're listening to this podcast, that's not you. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, again, I, I've spoken about this even on my Instagram profile. Uh, you have to expect a certain level of muscle tissue loss when you return to that physiological range. Yeah, It's inevitable because it's part of the androgen receptor not being stimulated. You will lose some of that tissue, regardless of whether you maintain nutrition or strength. Uh, uh, you know 
an after side of that androgen receptor stimulation that your satellite cells is switched off. So you're going to lose some of that tissue. Yeah. Which again, if you can get your mindset around that it will come back very quickly when you return to a superphysiological range, well then that cycle TRT seems like a more sensible approach for an amateur or recreational user. Yeah. Um, now for someone who is a professional, or who's a top level amateur who's aspiring to be a professional. But then, as I said, their cruises may need to be a little skewed, given their goal. Yeah, but that will have long-term health consequences, potentially. Exactly, and I mean, that's, again, pure responsibility of that individual to accept those consequences. Um, again, in light of their, I guess, professional goal. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is where, like you said, things trickle down to normal amateur population that such and such bodybuilder runs X amount on their crews, therefore I have to do. Without, again, understanding that if your cruise puts you in a super physiological range, your cholesterol, your lipid panel is going to be impacted, given the fact that you're going to make more hepatic lipase in your liver. So that's an enzyme that destroys HDL. So your HDL is never going to technically recover back to a good, normal, natural baseline if you're taking you know, a super physiological level during your cruise. And the other side of it as well um, is that your liver. Stem cells can't infiltrate your liver to heal if you have a super physiological level of testosterone. So this whole myth of, oh, your liver can regenerate itself Yes, we do have stem cells within our body that can regenerate liver tissue, but that's given that we are at a physiological setting. So, you know, if you're blasting and then cruising at 300 milligrams after running an oral, say, at the back end of your cycle, well, you know, you're pissing in the wind if you think that you're going to have regeneration at your liver. Yeah, and it's important to understand what the purpose of that cruise or um, TRT phase is, which is to improve your health markers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the whole, we, we push to the super physiological range to gain the benefits and then we either withdraw. And like we discussed on the podcast previously, we do a PCT and go back to a natural level, having, you know, experienced that super physiological push or we, you know, take an intelligent approach and realize, okay, I've used steroids. My HPTA is shut down, but I can cleverly give my body the same level of testosterone with an injection and let everything else recover exactly so in terms of um pros and cons when people are looking at doing this i think for me it's less of a question of pros and cons actually and it's more situational appropriateness um, and by that i mean it very much depends on what your plans are for the next six nine twelve months that will affect whether that's perhaps an appropriate choice but I think it's fair to say that making the decision to stay on in any form can potentially have longer term implications to um, your ability to recover your HPTA and uh, potentially fertility. Um, I, I've had this discussion with a lot of console clients. Um, we don't have any literature to show that, you know, time on equals, you know, a certain percentage 
probability of your HPTA never turning back on again. But, so that's more kind of a, an assumption that people make because it makes sense rather than there being any science based around it. Exactly. So, you know, and I've seen it personally, people being on five to seven years and running the PC protocol that I've laid out on the, the yeah. previous podcast and recover back to natural level. I might even try it one day. <laughs> so, you know, this whole, I guess, again, it's like bro science fear that, you know, the longer you stay on, the less likelihood you have to recover. Now, what what potentially could end up happening there, like, like we've spoke about before, is that, yes, you could have secondary hypogonadism because of the pituitary getting lazy or those hypothalamic neurons getting damaged. Sure. Um, but... The, the argument that if you stay on long term is going to lead to you having less chance of recovering, in my mind, there, we don't have any published science to support that statement. Sure. Um, I guess... Is the, is the main question, I suppose. Yeah, so, so like I said... Because I'm sure lots of people will be listening to this and going, fucking Dean said I don't have to come off, brilliant. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the main thing that you would need to, I guess, be mindful of would be that, you know, your lipid panel is going to be quite affected. So your, 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 your percentage risk for cardiovascular disease is going to increase. And that's that, that's, that's super easy to ignore. It is. And I guess it, it's, it's probably a multifactorial disease in that, yes, your drug usage is going to compound to your percentage risk, but you also your, your dietary choices when you use these compounds will also play into that risk. And obviously, yeah. again, um, inflammation and genetics. And not to go all, all supplement geek on it, but powering therapy uh, is something that I've used alongside citrus bergamot with um, two clients of mine at your recommendation, the, uh, the powering therapy. Um, while on cycle and seeing, so this was someone whose cholesterol was never in range. I think I spoke to you about it at the time. Yeah. And over the course of uh, a nine month blasting cruise, which I'm not advocating in any way, shape or form, we got their cholesterol completely in range through the intelligent application of powering therapy, um, powering therapy, citrus bergamot. So just support max with alongside powering therapy and uh, krill oil. Um, although we'd use Amiga Pro if it had been available. Um, yeah. So there are ways that things can be managed, again, if you're intelligent enough to, to do so or to have the right advice. Yeah, so I guess the, the only thing that I err against, and again, this all comes down to the, I guess, the cruise or the TRT phase, is that if you go way outside your natural genetic level, so say, for example, prior to using any sort of gear, your testosterone level was 10. Yeah. And now you're cruising or you're doing TRT where you're keeping your level up at the 30s. Yeah. Well, you're now three times your normal natural range. Yeah. It may not seem like a lot, but it bloody is. It's three times where you were at naturally, yeah. So you are going to genetically see some health issues at that TRT level. Yeah. Given the fact that your genetics have adopted where you were developing through adolescence to that level of testosterone. So you may never actually recover your HDL back to a perfect baseline because of that androgen level. Yeah. 
Um, but again, there's argument there that, you know, your HDL doesn't perfectly correlate to cardiovascular disease, yeah. but we do want to ensure that we manage that number as effectively as possible. Of course. I suppose the, the safest and, and, and best option for health is just to say, don't do steroids. Um, but that's going to get people to switch off and not listen really, really quickly. We discussed in the last episode that PCT uh, is, is a great option as long as you've got sufficient time to take off afterwards and how that can be done appropriately. And then blasting and TRT or uh, blasting and cruising is probably where, if we're completely honest, the majority of users fall into now. Um, maybe not intentionally, but that's where they end up being. Um, and I, I remember 10 years ago it being something that was regarded to be really, really dangerous and very, very bad. Um, and actually, maybe not so much. What would you say are the main things that people need to really monitor if they're going to take this approach? And, and would you put a kind of time scale on how long people can do it for? So time scale and how long you can do it? I guess up until the point that you start to see an impact on your fertility. And that becomes, I guess, an end goal for outside of, say, bodybuilding or strength sports and starting a family. Um, but again, that's not to say that that fertility aspect can't be addressed pharmacologically either. Yeah, I think of several people that have come back from that. So that would sort of probably put a time limit to how long you can do it and obviously then running a full PCT to ensure that you're making sperm naturally yeah. again. Um, in terms of what you should be monitoring, definitely blood work during a blast so that you can understand what is happening physiologically or in your blood when you're at these high levels of androgens. And in blood work, roughly seven to eight weeks post-cycle having followed through to a TRT dose. To see that it is a genuine TRT dose. Yeah, and then also see, has your health recovered at that physiological level? Yeah. An important thing to understand with that TRT dose, and Dean's spoken about it before, <clears throat> um, if I take 100 milligrams of test a week, and that puts my test at 24, and Dean takes 100 milligrams of the same test a week, it won't necessarily put his test at the same level as mine. No. So we need to, again, this comes down to pharmacology and you can have a fast metabolizer, which means that they clear drugs out of our body very fast. Or you have a slow metabolizer where your body fails to excrete compounds at a sufficient rate. So if we take the same dosage of 100 milligrams, I could be a fast metabolizer and my testosterone level could be eight, whereas yours could be 25. Or I could be a slow metabolizer and I could take 100 milligrams and all of a sudden my level's 45. Yeah. So that again plays down to, unless you've, you've studied your genetics or had a genetic test done, that's also where blood work becomes important. Because so you can't just go, oh, well, my mate said that I do 100 milligrams a week and that's TRT. Yeah, because I mean, I've seen slow metabolizers who have began their first cycle of just testosterone only to assess how they re respond at 300 milligrams coming back with levels of 120 nanomolar. Yeah. And, you know, 
that sort of level you would expect from someone who's quite an experienced user using maybe 800 to 900 milligrams. Um, where we now see, you know, this person taking 300 milligrams and because they're such a slow metabolizer, the compound stays in their system for an extended period of time. Yeah. Which, when you view it on the opposite end of things, if they take actually toxic substances, it can build up a problem. Fill up beyond their system and be quite dangerous. So that again is is another thing that if you are going this route again, the whole point of the blood work on the the TRT or the cruise portion is to assess where your test level is and then either you know type to treat your dose up or down. Yeah, yeah, and you know we've had to do that with clients or not that we prescribe or anything but people who come to us for blood work regularly it's taken them there's one guy in particular and he'd gone down to kind of trt um i think he intends to do it for he was a very good bodybuilder and he's now taken up health and fitness and running and whatnot um and he's doing trt and it's probably taken three sets of blood work to get him absolutely bang on um and in his initial assumption which i think he was doing 200 migs every 21 days um was putting him way 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 over um, so it does, it takes a little bit of, a bit of guesswork. Um, so kind of, it, it's quite a simple one really. Um, blasting and cruising has this really weird kind of, uh, mystique around it. A lot of people say, oh, you, you shouldn't do that. It's very bad because it's got this connotation around staying on forever. For me, the biggest issue that I have is just that I see a lot of people that I think are psychologically dependent on gear. Um, yes. and that's my main concern with it. Actually, physiologically, I think it makes a lot more sense on a lot of levels. Definitely on the physiological side, the, the psychological side, again, it, I've said this before, with current drug usage in the last, say, 10 years since the, the popularity of the internet and obviously widespread of information, we're going to see, I'd say, a global impact in the next 20 years on mental health services of teenagers and early 20 bodybuilders using massive doses of neurotoxic steroids like Tremblone. Yeah. And having no, I guess, foresight of how their health is going to be impacted later on down the line. And you are, I see this time and time again, again, with consults of guys who have used ridiculous dosages of Tremblone combined with testosterone return to this TRT cruise phase, have no libido, no sex drive, and then wonder, but I'm back to a physiological range of testosterone. Why do I have no sex drive? And quite often have carryover anxiety and, and all sorts of issues. So, I mean, testosterone drives dopamine receptor activation. I know we're getting off on a little tangent here that's a bit heavy on science. Oh, we've, but, done the, we've done the important bit. You know, so... Testosterone stimulates your dopamine in your brain, which is your, your reward neurotransmitter. Yeah. Same with Tremblone. They also skew your serotonin metabolism, so they deplete serotonin. So now you have this change in biochemistry in your brain that can lead to a low serotonin, high dopamine environment. And then post-drug usage, you're left with this imbalanced state in your brain of low serotonin, low dopamine. So you need a level of dopamine to turn you on basically to have libido from using, you know, high levels of steroids. When you go back to a normal physiological range or you do your PCT and you go back to normal physiological function, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that your neurochemistry in your brain is going to go back to normal. So again, that's another that's another sort of con against cycling and plasting. Yeah. That you can be setting yourself up for psychological issues later yeah. on down the line when you see serious. Obviously, you understand the neurochemistry of it a lot more than me. I just see a lot of young people who are absolutely scared shitless. So not even young people. I spoke to a guy in his 40s the other day. Scared shitless of not being on gear. Um, yeah. And if that's your biggest priority in life, then it's, it's easy to say and maybe hard to do, but you need to take a step back and, and look at what's important because the size of your biceps, much as it's what we all love, is not the most important thing in the world. No, uh, but also again, the I guess one of the things. Now this is again, there's no, I guess, published research to support this, but it is I guess anecdotal and that I've seen happen several times is metabolic damage from using androgens. So that when you find that term just for for people who might not so, understand, definitely not me. I obviously so, so, exactly what you mean. So, so metabolic damage, say you t took steroids for four or five years and you've done your blasting cruising. When you stop using and you do your PCT and you say you return to physiological function, you get your HBTA restored and now you're natural again. Yeah. Over that course of that four or five year period, there can be some, I guess, adaptations in your body to that increased testosterone level so you're going to have um, increased glucose oxidation so you're going to be able to partition nutrients better which is why when we you know when you cycle steroids your flexibility to your diet can be a little bit more broad yeah than if you were a natural athlete yeah and it's because of this you know increase in glucose oxidation using fuel uh, higher rates of, I guess, um, lipolysis, all, all the good... It's kind of a nutrient repartitioning with most steroids, isn't it? The stronger the steroid, the, the stronger that effect seems to be. Yeah, most of the androgenic steroids have fantastic beta-oxidative properties for burning fat. Now, when you stop use and you do your PCT and you go back to being a natural, well, you've gone from being this, I guess, super fuel-burning machine to now being American a natural... Model. A natural person that you're relying on your pancreas and your liver to digest and process, you know, the enzymes for that food you ingest. So metabolic damage can occur in that you now fail to output enough pancreatic enzymes to digest your food. You could have liver issues, which feeds into your pancreas, so you're no longer making either enough insulin or you're insulin resistant because of your low testosterone level even though it's normal compared to where it was previously it's yeah. low it's low compared to what your body is adapted to and so that can feed into i guess how your body then processes fats and your triglycerides so you end up in this scenario where you're insulin resistant you have high levels of triglycerides in your blood it's sort of like a metabolic shitstorm that's setting you up for a heart attack yeah. even though you're back to a physiological range. So stay on forever. <laughs> no? So... All the justification I needed. You know, this is, this is one of the things that 
isn't considered of an adaptive process that happens the longer you stay on steroids, basically. Yeah. And I mean, that, that could be a legitimate concern for someone who does a PCT, goes back to normal function, and then realizes that their body can no longer function at a normal optimal level without a higher level of androgens. You'll sometimes hear some people say that, that blasting and cruising, if you decide to do that, that, that is a, a lifelong decision. And I would argue that actually deciding to go on steroids for most people becomes a lifelong decision, even if you don't intend it to be. Definitely. There, there is. Uh, and I mean, it, it worries me that they often try and classify steroids as, I guess, mentally, um, I guess. Non-dependent drugs, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see it as being a dependent drug and a physically causing dependence. But mentally, again, if you have someone who has, you know, underlying, um, I guess, psychological nervosis, like, you know, bigorexia or even the opposite, anorexia, yeah. you can start to see where that dependence falls into drug use. I... I'll be completely honest and open with this. I mean, I I like to run what I call TRT with sprinkles. In that it's mostly TRT, but every now and again I might do four weeks of anabar or something if I'm feeling particularly small and useless. Normally when we've got something like body power coming up and I get a little bit image conscious um, because I guess, you know, there's lots of very cool people in the industry and you feel like you need to compete. Anyway, if you said to me, if, if all the steroids disappeared, if I couldn't get any testosterone to do my TRT or anything right now, I can't honestly say that I would be particularly comfortable with that. Because if I were, I wouldn't be doing TRT logically. If I were, I would have done a PCT maybe a year ago, two years ago, when I decided I definitely wasn't going to compete. And I would have just gone back to being that, and I haven't, because there's still that underlying psychological, uh, I'd rather be on the higher end of normal and be able to sprinkle some bits in if I need to. Um, and I like to think that I'm fairly logical and fairly sensible about most things. Yeah, and I mean, so like, like we discussed, if you are controlling your TRT to this high physiological range, again, in terms of long-term health impacts versus if you were cruising yeah. at 250 to 300 milligrams without any, I guess, insight into your health, then is it, is it right to say that you're, you're being irresponsible? Yeah, no, I think I just, I'm aware that psychologically I am a little bit, I'd rather have them than not. But I'm in a very fortunate position that I've got access to blood work pretty much as often as I want it. Um, that's not a position everyone finds themselves in, and certainly not something that I advocate. Um, but but in, in summary, if, if you want to blast and cruise, I think Dean's advice is very much on, on, the, on the money in the, you need to try and make that much more like a blast and a TRT than is often publicized in groups. Don't just take advice from someone and go, oh, well, I was told 250 milligrams a week. Make sure you get blood work done to see that that is a true TRT. You still need to be aware of health markers and you need to make sure that that time off or that time on TRT is sufficient to allow everything else to return to homeostasis. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you would add to that in summary? No, I, I mean, that final point is very important in the... You can't just do a four-week cruise and then go, right, I'll jump back on again. So th this was the whole, again, with the blasting cruise and of I blast my compounds 
I go to a cruise and you'll see this and I'm I'm not pitching forks at anything, but again this comes down to top tier bodybuilders who have made that responsible choice to do this. Is their profession ultimately? Exactly. So if you if you are doing a cycle of ten to twelve weeks and that person then goes to a, a four to six week cruise and then goes back to a cycle. If they're using long-acting esters like enantate, they were never even on a cruise. Exactly. So by the time you reach the six-week mark where they dropped their dosage down, you have an overlap in the clearance of the previous drugs. You're still maintaining quite a high level of androgens, even being at that reduced dose. So even though you think going from a that blast to a, a four to six week cruise is doing your health good you may well as well just stay in a high dose yeah yeah no absolutely in theory because again when we look at studies of say uh, anavar the oral steroids d-ball we see like a, a ceiling threshold with dosage towards negative health effect yeah so it's not that there's an increment in negative side effects with dosage. You sort of end up hitting the ceiling and then anything after that, things don't get progressively worse because of you've gone to a progressively higher dosage. The risk yeah. sort of stays the same. Um, why you've mentioned orals there, so it's something I forgot to bring up and it's something that I think has gone out of fashion and I hope it stays out of fashion. Um, bridging. Millie with the term? You used to do internet forums. Yes, and bridging and front loading and so, so it's kind of like a really shit cruise where you run orals and nothing else for no apparent reason for those who don't know what I mean. So so bridging sort of falls into the line of the old like eighties school of thought of you take your steroids, you just stop cold turkey. Yeah. For like eight to twelve weeks and then decide okay i'm going back on again that's sort of like you know the 80s sort of I, i'd say back then they did have access to some form of trt yeah i don't think i don't think they fully came off but anyway there was this other theory that instead of just fully coming off everything we can just sprinkle in some you know d-ball it makes a d-ball a day yeah and bridge between cycles now, the, the reason I mention this is because uh, it's a stupid idea. It doesn't really make any sense. You're still suppressed and you're not replacing your testosterone with testosterone. You're replacing it with something that isn't testosterone. And probably has more negative side effects. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is I've seen recently people touting SARMs like Osterine to be used as bridging compounds. And that is equally retarded. It is. Um, I don't think I need to say much more on that. No. And I mean, uh, that that's like question of the week some weeks for me what's your opinion on SARMs and if I'm honest a lot of them are fool's gold um, I, when I used to coach and I still do advocate if you can get real osterine at 10 milligrams for females I, I quite like but mostly because it's easier to get than VAR because VAR is often faked yeah and again you have you know the, you're weighing up consequences here of potentially Anavar being faked as either Winstrol or D-Ball. Exactly. In, Whereas Austrian doesn't tend to be faked, generally. So, Austrian and Andrine or S4, okay, they've made it through 
significant levels for clinical trials, but I don't think we can count them to have the exact same known anabolic effects yeah. as the anabolic steroids. And, and that's where I sort of, I, I remember giving a presentation during my PhD on the SARMs because that was at, at the pinnacle of when when they were going to replace androgens yeah you know when Pfizer and all these top companies were trying to compete with one another to, to release the next um, I guess SARM backbone molecule and none of them ever came to fruition because they always ended up running into issues that they couldn't selectively target gene activation for um, myotropism or muscle building as well yeah. Technical term. So, uh, SARMs again, it, you could even come down to this whole idea of can you bridge with growth hormone? <laughs> Sorry, what? So, you'll often get. Can you bridge with sandwiches? I mean, that's about as relevant. Yeah. Can, can you bridge with growth hormone or MK677? Or even, you know, like when you're doing your PCT, can I take MK677 growth hormone during my PCT? Yeah, if you want. Yeah. Come on. Yes. And sort of like, you know, you're not going to get any massive benefit from it, to be no. honest. No. And, you know, I always laugh because it's always, and this isn't taking a stab, it's always the drug pushers that push yeah. these silly ideas on people for their money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fundamentally, I mean, if you can convince people that if you want to look like a pro, you need to take three grams of gear and 10 IU of growth hormone a day and so on and so forth, and you happen to sell those things, then you're, you're onto a winner, aren't you? I, I, I'll tell you another, sorry, this sort of ties into what we discussed here. I guess this more falls into line of beginner cycles and whatever. Um, but I once had a discussion with, he was a top level natural athlete who had basically gone as far as he could naturally. And I mean, incredible natural athlete at 24 years of age so basically very intelligent decided at 24 my next step here is to go into the ifbb and try and pursue you know going towards the, the big leagues so i was discussing with him obviously what's the most intelligent way and he came back to me 10 weeks later obviously after following through with some of the advice we covered and at the time, he had three other friends start out on this sort of adventure. So the four of them all got together and thought, let's all start at the same time. Yeah, let's all get massive. And he came back to me and said, the other three wouldn't listen to me. There was a big, massive guy in the gym who was obviously their, their dealer. Yeah. So you can probably see where this is going. And they decided to run 500 milligrams of testosterone with 400 milligrams of trenanante. Good, yeah. <laughs> as, their, as their first cycle at 23, 24 years of age. And I was like to him, please don't tell me you followed that advice. Went, of course I didn't. He goes, I just let them crack on. He goes, I'm not stupid. The thing is, it's hard to argue with people that have done stuff like that because they're quite often trying to go, yeah, but I've made really good gains. <laughs> and, and they probably have. So <laughs> it's very, very difficult. It's difficult to, you know, uh, the sort of approach to perform there is, you know, sort of patience and, you know, let's be intelligent. If you're if you're going to commit to this, like what we said yeah. earlier towards blasting cruising, 
be intelligent before jumping into the deep end. Sure. And there's plenty of time to do all of those silly things. Um, so I will say thank you very much, Dean, for that. Again, just like last time, any questions around blasting or cruising, or if you want to have a consult around your specific situation, you can contact Dean via social media, Dr. Dean St. Mark. Uh, you can contact Strom via the usual methods. Um, blood work wise, um, we mentioned it in nearly every podcast, but you can go to Eval, you can go to um, Youth, you can go to uh, Medichex. Uh, I don't know who it is that you, you recommend these days, Dean. Between Medichex or Youth, uh, I, I've still got my panel with Youth, so yeah. if people want to go with that active panel, it has pretty much everything that you need to be looking at. Yeah, so, so those are your options. Um, and whether you are PCTing or blasting and cruising or whatever it is you're doing, um, it seems to come up every episode. It's definitely worth looking at doing. Um, and we will catch you on the next one, which is going to be a little bit different, is with Dr. Dean. No, you're Dr. Dean. It's with Dr. Christopher Matthews, um, who is Professor of Sociology at Nottingham Trent University. We're going to be looking at the reasons why people do the things they do in the pursuit of um, elite level sports performance. So that's going to be a little bit different. And it's from someone who's kind of outside of our our normal click. So I look forward to that. Um, thank you very much. And I will speak to you all again soon.